This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Good morning. It is Thursday, September 24th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. Got a really fun episode in store today. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. We scrolled back to January uh, for the archives of the College Football Daily. January was certainly a different time, and it, it was funny to look at all, all the podcast episodes from the first month of 2020. And we got and we got our hands on uh, the two episodes that Barton Simmons and Charles Power, uh, the the two uh, maestros of the 24/7 Sports Rankings Council, did uh, to announce the final five stars in the top 247 rankings, uh, the 32 five stars in the class of 2020. We're going to replay that again for you today. Uh, we are eliminating mention of recruits who are going to uh, who signed with Big Ten and Pac-12 schools, um, this is really just supposed to be a reintroduction to the five stars who are currently playing um, either this weekend in the SEC or who have been playing in the ACC or in the Big 12. Whenever the Big 10 comes back in a month, we will do the same thing for them. And when the Pac-12 joins the fray, we'll do a special episode on the Oregon players, um, uh, Justin Flo and, and uh, Noah Sewell, who were in the five-star mix too. So just a reminder... Uh, it's a top 247, and it's the top 32, and every year 24-7 Sports releases its final list of 32 five-stars to mirror the NFL draft. You will find a different number of five-stars every year in the 24-7 Sports composite using a cutoff point, but this is the top 247. This is our individual rankings. I think Barton and Charles were awesome on these episodes. I'm excited to listen to it. And get reintroduced to uh, the guys who are about to be the next college football superstars. So we're going to listen to them now. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And tomorrow on the College Football Daily, you can look forward to previewing the SEC weekend with myself and Brad Crawford. Enjoy. What's up? This is Barton Simmons of 24-7 Sports alongside Charles Power, and today we're going to have a discussion about our five stars for the class of 2020. We're going to go through really top to bottom, just one through 32, the guys that uh, that we landed on as a, as a rankings council, uh, kind of discuss why those guys are five stars, maybe what some of the deliberations sounded like and looked like for, for a few of these players, and um, and just kind of dig into uh, to the guys that we've stamped, the the guys that are entering the, f- the fraternity of five stars. So, um, Charles, you ready to go? Get going and uh, kind of dig into this. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been talking about these guys uh, pretty much <laughs> a, a, as much as possible for the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to, um, I guess, finally, I guess, putting a stamp on this and uh, I guess moving on to 2021. No doubt. Yeah, we can kind of empty the notebook and then be be done yeah. here. Yeah. Um, 
So I think, you know, right, obviously right off the jump here at number one is that was the, uh, maybe the most, I don't know, um, interesting debate we had. I think it was, um, it was a pretty difficult decision this year. Yeah. Uh, number one, I think we had we all felt like we had three legitimate number one candidates, but we landed on Bryce Young, the Alabama early enrollee from modern day. Um, I'll let you go first on Bryce Charles. What, what um, I, I guess we're generally speaking, um, kind of your thoughts on him as a player, and then we'll get into kind of maybe the the, the number one debate. Yeah. So yeah, I think with with with, with Bryce Young, it really kind of began I, I think once he transferred to modern day he was previously at a, at a smaller high school um, in in Los Angeles and transferred to the powerhouse modern day as a junior and really had a great had a great junior year um, yeah I think his skill set is, is kind of you know what the, the way the game's trending I think that's one of was one of our conversations we were kind of hashing out the you know the number one overall prospect uh, He's just highly instinctive, a really loose uh, quarterback who goes through all of his reads, progressions. I think he's probably the most accurate passer in the in, in the in the class, or at least probably the last two cycles that that I've seen um, with, with his ability to locate the ball at at, at a bunch of different levels. Um, so, in w- kind of when you when you start use that as a starting point, um, consider how good he looked at at the opening finals, Elite Eleven finals in the summer, um, springboarded into a really a, a, a great senior year. Um, I, I know his team lost to, to DJ Uyagalales in the um, in the playoffs, but just kind of in aggregate, uh, in which with how steady Bryce was, um, you know, over over the course of the season, just ripping off some of his stats. He completed seventy two percent of his passes, you know, uh, over eleven yards in attempt, fifty eight passing touchdowns, six interceptions. So um, there's just really there was never a point where he came out and just didn't perform. Like he was so consistent. He really he really didn't leave us a whole lot of questions uh, and I know like typically people maybe would like talk about his height he's 510 but but now I, I don't think that's really as much of a concern I was talking to Travis Ryer with the Alabama site kind of trying to kind of I guess paint a picture for um you know Bryce's size and kind of build and he really kind of reminds me and build a little bit to like Johnny Manziel um he's 510 but he's a he's a longer big-handed kind of big-footed um athlete so it's, it's not like he's really like one who's super slight or I, I think his size maybe translates a little more than if you're just going straight off his height. So, um, you know, I'd, I, I think Barton, you, you, you probably saw more of, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, um, in, in high school than I did, but, but I think, you know, just, just in terms of, um, kind of looking at Bryce and DJ in, in a, in a macro sense, I, I think those guys are as, as two as, as good of any high school prospects at quarterback that I've seen personally. Yeah, and, and we're we're ranking those guys like that. They're going to have the same rating of of one hundred and one as Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, which were the highest rated quarterbacks we had ever had at that point. And so now we've got two more that we believe are are on that tier. Um, you know, I think it's interesting with Bryce is his he you know DJ is five or I'm sorry six foot four, two hundred and fifty five pounds or whatever. Bryce is five ten, hundred and whatever. Uh, but they have the same size hands, and so yeah. I think that that just gives you a little bit idea of just sort of um, maybe like that the the size isn't always quite uh, as black and white as as just here in five ten. And I still remember seeing Bryce at the All American Bowl come in to check in and step on the scale and the 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 uh, height chart. And I kind of joked with them like, you, you don't have to worry about this as much as you used to. And he he was sort of like, yeah, it's it's a blessing. Like it's it, yeah. I, I don't stress about it and. 
And that, to me, is probably as, as big a, a an element to this as any. As, as we look at the top three, and as we debated the top three, I think we all believe Brian Brzee, and we'll get to him a little bit more here in a minute, but we all believe he is one of the better defensive line prospects we've ever seen. And so for someone to jump Brian Brzee, they had to be all the way real at the quarterback position. And I think Bryce is that. And if you just look at, look, of the last, I, just, I sort of went back, 22 drafts, 16 of those had a quarterback go number one. It's just so if you have a candidate to go at, at one at quarterback, and we don't always have it every year. It's not always a guy that we're comfortable with. If you have that guy, you're sort of cheating yourself or we're cheating ourselves if we don't make that move and put him number one. And when you look, I think, even further and, and, and why I think I and we felt empowered to move with Bryce Young at one is a little bit about when you look at the last few picks at one it's it's Baker Mayfield it's Kyler Murray it's Joe Burrow more than likely this year and all of those guys have physical flaws whether it's size arm strength um there none of them is a perfect prospect from the from the trait standpoint and yet they were so good on the field in college that they they were they were the number one pick and I think when you look at Bryce you look at his body of work and when you look at I think above everything else, his maturity, the the presence that he brings to the position, there is such little doubt that he's going to hit. And so, like, what's the floor for that? I don't know. I thought maybe like I was thinking maybe Shea Patterson is like a floor for Bryce Young, but that's just hard for me to envision that he isn't yeah uh, a first round type of talent. And if he's a first round type of talent, then he's probably he's a number one candidate for sure. Yeah. And, and I, it's funny you say the Shea Patterson thing, cause I had the same thought um, a, a day or so ago. And, and I, I kind of talked myself out of that because I, you know, looking back at it, like I, Bryce Young had a, had a far, I guess more uh, like a, like a more concrete body of work as, right. as a high school player than Shea Patterson did, especially like his senior year which I think Shea Patterson only played like maybe like eight or 10 games at, at IMG. He didn't play a lot of second half. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think, I think the, if you kind of look at the way it's trending, um, it's definitely uh, the game is moving in Bryce Young's direction. Um, I think I've said in the past, I think he's probably the most ready to play of, of these quarterbacks. And we're projecting ultimately long-term, but it doesn't hurt to hit the ground running either. Um, and and I, I think that's, that's a, a really good point on, on those quarterbacks having flaws. I, I think, the, the way it's trending, it, it's it's moving towards, uh, you know, quarterbacks who have a really high operating efficiency, which he probably has the best in this class. Accuracy, which he has the best in this class, um, and then mobility, ability to escape pressure, deal with pressure, um, and, and and like you said, it seems like, you know, it, it was like he was like a PhD student uh, at, at times, you know, in taking undergrad classes out there. It was just, a, it seemed like it was just really easy for him. The game was super slow. You know how quick he goes through his progressions. I really have no doubt that he's going to come in, um, you know, just just ready to play and and I guess you know hit, hit the ground running at Alabama. I, and and when when you kind of hear, you know, Nick Saban, um, you know, the coach at Modern Day, just uh, effusively praise him. I, it's just I, I think at, at every turn he's impressed, and there's really nothing he he didn't like. He just didn't give us much of a reason for him not to be number one. Right, and so that brings us to number two, and DJ Uyunglele, and he's he's obviously the the longtime rival of Bryce Young. He's heading to Clemson. He's in a lot of ways the the 
the other end of the spectrum of Bryce Young. And that's not to say that DJ is in some capacity like raw or underdeveloped. I mean, he's been just as productive this year. They almost have identical stats. Um, and, and they've played head-to-head and split two games each and, and all that sort of stuff. But I guess he is more of this um, collection, like the sum of traits. Like I, I've compared him to Jamarcus Russell, and I hope that does, isn't taken as a slight because Jamarcus Russell's sort of off-the-field issues that, that derail his career. But in terms of just a pure physical talent, I mean, DJ has the, from a trait standpoint, I'd, I'd say probably the top – physical traits of any quarterback I've ever covered. Um, that's that's and, high praise too. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, that's a, it's a monster arm. That's big body athlete. I mean, athleticism in that frame. And so there is, there is certainly probably going to be some moments in his career. We look back and we think, Oh my goodness, how did we not have DJ one? But I think that's going to flip flop a lot. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and ultimately, um, you know, the Bryce is just the guy that the kind of we, we landed on with, with just a little bit more confidence. So I don't know if you have any sort of thoughts to add on, on DJ framed in that debate as well. Yeah. And, and so this is like really my first time the, at the all American bowl was really my first time seeing DJ because he, he wasn't at the, um, at the elite 11 finals. And I was, I was really impressed with, with, you know, he, like you said, he is not a, a raw uh, quarterback at all. He's high, very polished. Um, you know, I, I think, how he kind of just dealt with being thrown in that situation. It's really not like it's playing quarterback in an all-star game. is really not a, a, always the most flattering setup um, kind of throwing to receivers you aren't used to. And I, I thought he did a really good job there. And like you said, the arm is just, you know, it's like, I guess what we would call like a plus plus arm. It's as, as good as I've seen either. Um, you know, I think his downfield accuracy is he's almost more accurate throwing the ball 40 yards downfield than, than he is short. And that's not a knock on his short accuracy. It's just, he can really locate the ball wherever he wants, um, especially pushing pushing it vertically. So, um, in, in in for for a two hundred fifty pounder, he's 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 light footed, moves well. Um, you know, I think one, like one of my comps for him, if you're gonna like look at like a, a modern NFL quarterback, it's like kind of like Carson Wentz, kind of how he moves. He's um, not not a guy who's gonna rip off like fifty yard runs, but but he can slide in the pocket, um, pick up yards when needed. So, yeah, he has he has a complete skill set. Also, I, I think. Most years, any of these top three would be would be the number one prospect. Like if you put them in the in the twenty nineteen cycle, I don't think we would have had much of a conversation on who the number one prospect was. Is NDJ is it's just kind of a right. it's kind of a unique deal where I, I know everybody's going to parse like who's number one, who's number two, but I think it's important to put this in in a larger context. Is we have three really strong number one candidates. Yeah, and that, I think that's exciting. Is and I mentioned it on our our uh, rankings discussion and and it got on the podcast, but I. I really think like of all the years I've been doing this, <clears throat> this top three is the group that I have the most realistic hope could actually land one, two, three in the NFL draft. Like, I think that's a very realistic scenario. Um, and that's exciting. And yeah. and I think it speaks to how good those guys are. And it speaks to, to, to Brian Brzee. And like, so as, as we get to Brian, like it almost, it almost pained me to, to, to put him at three. Yeah. Because he's been number one for two and a half years. He's been he's taken everyone's best shot. He's he's evolved his game. He's improved his game from uh, an already really high level. He he kept on getting better. He kept on competing. He 
you know, he showed up at the All American Bowl with a dang club on his hand. Like he didn't have to play in that game, no. but he took more reps than anyone in in practice and led the way from a competitive competitive standpoint. And he's a four eight forty guy at two hundred eighty eight pounds, and he's a twenty and ten basketball guy. And like there's just like there's everything you could want about this kid. He's versatile. He could play edge. Could play inside. Could play like a four technique like he's just whatever you want him to do he can be it and so I think nine years out of ten he's the number one player in the country sure uh but this is just that year where when it's close and we talk about that likelihood of a quarterback going number one it's just man you just kind of have to go with a quarterback yeah I think for me for me the discussion kind of how I was trying to frame the, the number one discussion is Kind of looking at our ratings at twenty four seven, like our player grades. If if Brian Brzee was really kind of like better than a a one hundred one grade, which is really like a franchise kind of generational type of prospect, depending on the position. Um, and and I guess I think I thought if we ultimately landed on they were all one ones, you kind of have to go with the quarterback. But but it's a legit conversation if Brian Brzee like I. I, I think back on it, um, you know the only the only defensive lineman that that I think I've seen. Um, that that I would even like 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 put in that category. Um, we maybe be like a Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett looked like that at the Under Armour game. Um, I think it may be 2013, 2014. So, but Brian, and those are the two guys who have gone number one. You know, yeah, number one runner, and, runner number and, one basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and uh, Brzee's in that category. He's he, but he he's a defensive tackle. But comparing him to past defensive tackle prospects, I've seen he he's the best. And I I I I, I say that without batting an eye. Um, you, you, right. you look at. The we have mounds of athletic testing information on him, really dating back to like his sophomore year. Um, so he and he's as he's gotten bigger, he's maintained, if not gotten more athletic. Um, then, then you look at kind of how he dominates on Friday nights, and then you put him in an All Star situation, and he is like I know we we use the term alpha dog when we're kind of like uh, picking our top performer, and he is like he is an alpha dog every time he comes out. Um, he he just owns the 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 entire situation. Um, I think what what impresses me is. He, he has a really kind of an, an elite combination of the size, athleticism. He, he's, he has a more polished um, kind of arsenal of pass rush moves than, any, than anybody in the class. And this is, we're talking about a, a 300-pound defensive tackle. Like he has, a spin, he has spin moves, fake spins. He's just – he's violent, um, you know, on, on, on contact. He was throwing that club around like it was a weapon at, at uh, the All-American Bowl. Um, and so I think you just factor everything in and he's a guy, like you said, that could play multiple spots in the defensive line. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we come out and Brent Venables is putting him on the edge, you know, uh, like on first and second down. So, um, he could really be anywhere. It's, it's he's a tough one to compare to. Like you, you're, if you're looking for an NFL comparison, you're like, is, is he Ndamukong Sue kind of like you brought up Barton? I mean, there've been times where he looks kind of like a JJ Watt, like a, a big defensive end who can rush off the edge, use his power, but, but is, is, you know, really quick off the ball also so um he's man he's one worth really worth being excited about and i know um he, he and he, it's almost like you, you put him on the field with all of these other with all these other top prospects and he immediately jumps out every play as as one who just is is kind of head and shoulders above the rest when you're talking just general position players in this cycle yeah and and i one of the things i love about him too is, is i he reminds me from a personality standpoint a little bit um like George Karloftis from last year's class in that he is this very bright-eyed, enthusiastic, 
kid who is excited to be competing. Like, you know, so many of these guys that get, you know, this guy's been number one for three years and he's, you know, he's seen it all. He's, he's dealt with all this madness and the, it's, it's very clear though, that he doesn't like to be recruited. He likes to compete. Like that's why he's here. Like, and so that makes you feel like he's, you know, he's going to get the most of his ability. So again, it's a little bit like tough, you yeah. know, to, to sort of have your, this guy that's been our guy for three years and, and move him to three, but you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a, uh, commentary on these quarterbacks. And, and I'm going to use something you said on filming as, as another segue here as we get to number five, um, because another guy that showed up at the All-American Games to just absolutely put in work, more so than, than maybe anyone on this list, yeah. is Will Anderson. Like, I, I mean, look, <clears throat> he, was a, he was a pleasant guy to talk to in San Antonio, um, but the smiles were coming after practice was over, like during practice, that dude was dialed in and Will Anderson was, I'd say probably the single biggest revelation to me of, of any of the all American games. Um, and not, and look, we hadn't really seen him in person. Yeah. So there was some unknown there. We loved his film. We were like almost suspicious of his film. Like, is he too small? Is he like, what do we, what's the catch here? He had a 22 sack season as a senior. So the productivity was obviously there. So, I mean, everything was in front of him uh, for the All-American Bulls. And, you know, he showed up at like 225, 230 pounds. Six, two and a half, I think, is what he measured it at, something around there. So not not a freakish body type, but absolutely has a a presence um, and, and has the type of frame that is – and I, let me see if I have his – I don't know if you have his numbers in front. Let me see what his, arm, his arms 30, 30, were. 34 inch, 34 inch 34 arms. arms. So like that, yeah. yeah. So that was a pot. Like see, he, he definitely has a big frame. And then I just, I mean, bar none, like there was, isn't anyone in this class that has the get off he has. Right. There isn't an edge rusher in this class that has the speed to power that he showed. And his, I, I just think he absolutely dominated the, the all American game in a way that was, was was undeniable yeah i'm i'm with you and i i think yeah like i i think you framed that set that up pretty pretty good so like we we loved will anderson's junior and really in, in, in junior video but especially the senior video i mean he's you watch it and he is he is in the backfield before the offensive linemen are out of their stance like that's how quick he is off the ball and i think like you said it was just really none of us have seen him in person before he's never really been to camps or any kind of recruiting events um so it was kind of about verifying his size um, and, and really like you kind of look at him, he really like looks just on, like just walking around like he's maybe taller than, than six, two and a half. He, he plays bigger than that. And you, you mentioned his arms, like his, I, I think when you look at pass rushers in the NFL, there's a, there's a whole lot of them that are, that are, are his size. He's probably long. Like, right. he, he's longer than a Von Miller. He's longer than a Khalil Mack even. Um, so his size really kind of, tr- really translates maybe better than a, a six, six, you know, two twenty edge rusher. So, um, mm-hmm. so, so that's not really con- a, as much of a concern for me, kind of it, like looking into that further. And then, and then the thing that was really s- most startling was, was how physical he was like his, like, like you mentioned his speed to power, the pop in his hands. He was, I mean, you're talking about a 230 pound speed edge rusher who is like blowing the offensive lineman, just completely off the ball once he gets his hands on him. So um, just like I, I think the 
the, the hand strength and, and just the, the physicality he played with, to me, was really one of the more like revel, revelatory aspects of it. And then coupled with just how dominant he was, like I came away thinking, I was like, we, we really can't put an edge rusher over him just with how good he looked. I mean, if you just take, yeah. take the whole body of work kind of uh, in aggregate, I, I think it was pretty convincing he was a top edge player in the class. So from the top edge to the top interior guy in this class, and this was a a little bit of a tricky discussion. Uh, I don't think it's a it was just a an obvious answer on who the best interior guy was. There was a few good candidates, but we landed on Gervin Dexter. He's he comes in at number six, uh, the Florida signee, and um, you know as as Javon Kinlaw is out here making waves at the Senior Bowl right here as we as we speak. I think that's sort of the the comp in a way of Gervin Dexter, just this massive really unique frame that he was I mean at the Under Armour game just watch you were out there I was watching the video of it but he he was walking offensive linemen back to the quarterback like they were JV guys and these were all Americans um the kids in like uh third year playing football I think so yeah. I think yeah um, maybe, maybe even maybe in second he was really kind of an AAU basketball player until we first heard about him. He went to an FAU satellite camp going into his junior year. That's kind of where he popped up. But I, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure he had played football before that, and that was two years ago. Yeah, so he's still really raw, and he, play, he you know, plays a little high, and he's got to polish some things up. And so there's there's some improvement that that to be had there. But an, another one that's just uh, from a physical trait standpoint, uh, you don't see these guys too often, and. It's just really easy to envision him being a dominant force in the SEC and being like uh, the the apple of the eye of some NFL GMs here in a couple of years. Yeah, and I think there's there's a lot of like you brought up Javon Kinlaw. There, there's a, there's a lot of players like this who who are kind of really very strong players in the NFL. Like you're talking about like a DeForest Buckner, he kind of looks similar to a Chris Jones. Uh, we brought up like the John Henderson comparison, former, I guess like top 10 pick played at Tennessee. Um, so yeah, I, he, he's a rare, he's a rare body type. And the thing is too, like new to football, he came out this year as a senior and he had 125 tackles, 35 tackles for loss and 18 sacks. At one point he was leading the state of Florida in sacks. And like, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like Jervon Dexter does not really know what he's doing right now. He did he did that like basically while he's learning to play football. He needs to get his pads down. Um, but but you talk about the athleticism, the the strength. Like he is to to be that that stature. I, I guess six six plus. Um, he is maybe the the strongest defensive lineman or certainly one of them that, that we've seen at these events like like you said i mean he was making offensive linemen look like they were children so um i think from a sheer upside standpoint how much he improved really year over year uh he's one that i mean his upside is is, is sky high yeah um i'll let you take the lead here on, on keely ringo so keely ringo comes in at number seven um our, our our top cornerback in the country and and i feel like he was a guy that you were pretty excited about and, and kind of on the table for as a top 10 guy in this class after All-American Bowl? Yeah, I, I thought uh, it, was, it was really my first time seeing Ringo um, at, at All-American Bowl. And you, know, you kind of come in with these things. You try to come in with a blank slate for everybody. and But, uh, you know, that's a little hard to do. And I so having not seen him before, I, I, you know, I had seen videos of him in 7-on-7 seven seven at camps and really wasn't 100% 
Sure. I, like I, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of his, his coverability. We, we know he's an elite track athlete. I think he won the 100 and 200 meter in, in the in the state championships. I think he's one of the fastest players in the class on the track um, and, and has really has great size. I think he's like over six feet. Um, so then so then kind of seeing him in the context of of covering these elite receivers, you know, he doesn't really do that a ton at high school. Like everybody kind of avoids him. Um, and he p- kind of plays a little offense, which is something you want to see at, at corner. So um, really kind of interested to see him cover. And man, he was, I thought he was outstanding. Like I, he's clearly the top corner in the, in the class to me with how fluid he was, his speed, his, his um, ability to kind of stay in phase. But uh, he, I, I don't really think he got beat much, but like if he got beat up the line, he's so fast. Like his makeup speed is, is elite. Um, so he was really, I, I thought o- over the course of the week, um, and going to both games, I thought far and away the top corner. And he's a guy where his physical traits are such to, to I, I think he has a really high floor as as kind of a NFL draft type of prospect. Um, and he's only going to get better um, kind of once he gets to focus on on his technique and, and whatnot um, at, at Georgia. And I, I think it, it, it's in, indicative, like if you just watch the, the All-American Bowl, he didn't get thrown at one time. Like the other team knew, like they're like, man, like we aren't going to even go at him because he's not going to really give up, give up much. So I think, um, you know, he's, he's one of the better cornerbacks in the last couple cycles to me, um, the clear one in, in this class. And, and that kind of makes him a top 10 prospect. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, just the, the athletic traits that you talked about, I mean, specifically, this is a kid that runs a 10, 400 meter dash, which is, so he's one of the fastest players in the country, and he also happens to be one of the bigger corners in the country. And so, it's it's yeah, it's like easy to see him just sort of have a, because you never really know on DBs like hey yeah. maybe they give it in like but but I, I could you could see him having a very ho hum, mediocre career and then just and be like a top and, ten pick yeah That's worst it. case scenario like he still like flashes a little bit as a senior and blows up the combine he still is, still gets drafted in the first round yeah, that, like, that, <laughs> that, that's almost like your worst case scenario you're dealing with him you know it's like barring barring health like i, I remember stefan gilmore at, at south carolina really like had a pretty kind of like i wouldn't say lackluster but it, it was it was not he was not really known for making a ton of plays really at, at, as a corner at south carolina he might win the you know, he was a top, I guess, maybe top 15, top 10 type of pick and might end up being NFL Defensive Player of the Year. So, yeah, corner's always a little tough with how they project, but but I think the NFL draft usually kind of shows us um, really who the best corners are, and I think Ringo definitely is that in this class. At number nine um, is our second defensive tackle on the board. Uh, this is kind of really one of my favorite guys in this class, Jalen Carter, the Georgia signee, who, like – I, th- I think when you look at, I mean, hey, let's well, go straight to Georgia. I mean, when you look at Trevon Walker and the kind of freshman year he had and, and the expectations that are emerging for him, um, and you look at his high school profile and, he, you know, a three-sport athlete, played middle linebacker as a senior, like I really believe that athletic versatility is, isn't is just reserved for, for tight end and some of these other positions. Like defensive linemen who can, who can move and, and, and who understand sort of the – the dynamic flow of a game and, 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 and have the instincts that are honed playing different sports, different positions, whatever. I think Cal and Jalen Carter is that guy. He played, I think this is his first year really playing defensive tackle. He was like a tight end H back before that for a pop go, which plays sort of a single wing offense. He's, you know, you can 
kind of troll Twitter and find some videos of him like tomahawk dunking at like 300 pounds on the basketball court. He's just played and, – and then when you get him in actually at defensive tackle, the leverage he plays with, the natural power that he plays with, the physical hands that he shows. Um, I mean, I think this kid is special. And I'm, I'm, I was glad we were able to get him in that top ten because I, I wouldn't shock me if this kid ends up being a top three guy by the end of this process. And, and I think he's really emerged as a guy that we've grown confidence in as the more we've seen him because early in the process it was just limited exposure to him. Yeah, and, and really like great week at Under Armour. He was probably – it, in the game, the most dominant player, he was in the backfield uh, really almost every snap, kind of just whipped the other team's off interior offensive linemen. Uh, really, it was was one who got better as the week went on. Um, he was maybe didn't have the first day of, of uh, Jervon Dexter, but throughout the, like throughout the rest of the week was probably the 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 best defensive tackle just in terms of performance. And like you said, just the the power, the leverage, uh, quick, explosive plays really hard i think he's like also like maybe like a state weightlifting champion he's just right. a guy who kind of has has everything going for him um and yeah like i'm i'm with you he's 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 a really tough to block for for opposing offensive linemen with kind of his leverage quickness uh and, and strength so we bumped up um eric gilbert to from 15 to 10 uh he's the number one tight end in the country and what we all agree is a loaded tight end class and um, he was injured you know, like second or third day during the week at, at under our, or I'm sorry, at all American bowl. And like that didn't like, he, he didn't even need to show up the year he had this fall for Marietta. Um, I think it was national Gatorade player of the year. Wasn't he? Or was, was that Bryce yeah. Young? He was. Uh, um, and just, I mean, this is a, this is the modern day tight end right here. This is the guy he's, he, you know, he, Played receiver primarily for Marietta, but he could be an inline guy from a body type standpoint. He can block, he can move, he can catch, he can run routes, he can be an outside guy, he can be a matchup problem. He, I mean, there's just what, like, I, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go overboard, but this may be an upgrade from Thad Moss to Eric Gilbert at LSU. I mean, he has that like long term, it, it certainly is, but year one it could be, and so right. um, he is, he, he's, he's pretty rare for us to have a tight end that high. Yeah, I mean, I. I you took the words out of my mouth with the, with the Thad Moss thing. Like I, he would have Thad Moss is was you know one of the best tight ends in the SEC, uh, and and he, I think he would be fighting like he, he and Eric Gilbert would be fighting for playing time if it came down to it. Uh, Eric Gilbert this year he had 105 re- receptions for 1860 yards and 15 touchdowns. We're talking about a tight end prospect playing receiver with 105 catches. Um, just you you would see him his his, his fluidity along with, with being I guess like six five two around 240 250 um you know he he moves like a receiver I think he'll probably play the like really play there at LSU and just natural fluid pass catcher uh really good athlete um and his ability to kind of make contested catches and and get open um is, is really as as probably as advanced as I've seen probably from a tight end high school tight end especially one with that stature already so um so yeah he's he's just polished ready to go and um good enough to where he could play receiver in SEC as a freshman. So I'll let you lead on Trenton Simpson. He, he's number 12, um, a guy that I think you and I have sort of uh, simultaneously fallen in love with through the process. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, just a, this guy's a stud. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I felt like when we were ranking Trenton Simpson high, like it was almost kind of like we were taking a shot on him and, and he – really kind of validated it, you know, start, started his career as, as, as a running back, 
um, and, and made the made the move to to linebacker in, kind of in the middle of his junior year and really kind of played as like an edge rusher as a senior. I think he had like 20 sacks. He's really long, um, you know, like I guess like six three with with long arms. Really good athlete. Plays hard. Um, kind of shows up every time you see him. Um, so I. And, and then he kind of showed us in these these events that he can cover and play in space. Um, so, yeah, I, I think just in terms of his his upside and, and on top of already being a great player, um, he he's a unique kind of defensive piece that it'll be really fun to see how how Clemson moves him around. He's a guy that can, like I said, that can pat, that rush the passer, drop and play in space. So, um, kind of a unique skill set and one who I think is, is still, despite being relatively new to playing defense, was already a, a very, very good player. And I thought he was the best linebacker at Under Armour. So um, I know we have a couple, a, another one, Barton, with, with, with Drew Sanders, who is really kind of maybe a little similar to Trent Simpson, one who can play a lot of different spots. And, and really, I mean, we had a tough time parsing the, these linebackers. You could really kind of throw them in the mix. And, and Sanders, I guess – we have rated as athlete could play multiple spots, but kind of what, what are your thoughts on, on him, the, the versatile Alabama signee? Yeah. I, I mean, and one of the things I felt like there was a, a real common theme with Drew Sanders throughout the process was the feedback that we seem to get from, from so many colleges about his um, like, like mental makeup, the, 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 the way he approaches the game, the way he handles himself in, in the film room and those sort of that things and on the, on the chalkboard and and things like that. And just sort of the way he's going to maximize his ability, which is already really, really elite. Um, And this coming from, from programs that didn't land him. And so uh, I thought that was a a compelling element to his game that, that was important, that was factored in. But, you know, you, I think you followed him as close as anyone in terms of the, the stats that he's been putting up on a week to week basis and the different ways he can affect a game. Uh, I mean, there, there's no question you know he could be. You got a lot of a lot of bullets to fire with him. You can fire an edge edge rush bullet. You can fire an inside linebacker bullet. You can fi- fire a tight end bullet. Like, um, hey, you can even be a wildcat quarterback for you if you want to. So it, it's he's just a very unique prospect. Yeah, and and I, I think when when you're talking just overall high school football players in Texas, like he was probably the most you know in, in, impactful one. Like here's kind of what he did as a senior. He really one thing with Drew Sanders that I think people forget is he he began his career. Uh, kind of as a, as a quarterback, he was really considered a quarterback prospect freshman sophomore year, and then kind of I guess realized he was you know such a kind of a unique athlete. Probably wasn't a, as advanced as a passer as, as some, but you talk about like like this year playing for one of the best teams in Texas. I, he had uh, thirty eight receptions for seven hundred thirty four yards, twelve touchdowns. He ran for eleven as a Wildcat quarterback, and then threw for five. And then that's in addition to playing defense, where he had twenty one tackles for loss and eleven sacks. You're talking like like a, like a complete football player. I think he would be one of the better tight ends in the class if he wanted to play that. So uh, and really a, a, also a great athlete. That's at six five. Uh, two thirty. He ran a, a ten nine one hundred. I mean, that's faster than a lot of like you see from like receivers, corners, running backs. So, um, really kind of a uh, a, a pretty unique prospect with which how advanced he is, and and also on top of being a great athlete with size. So at number thirteen or see fourteen, Miles Murphy dipped a little bit. He was five for us pr- previously, um, and again more of a more of a product of of us just being that enamored with some of these other guys than any sort of stock down um, perception of Miles Murphy. I, I I think the thing that really jumps out to me from watching him at the All American Bowl is you know at 260 pounds like he really has a speed rushers 
ability, like a like the way he can get off, the way he can dip and bend the edge, the the athlete, the edge athleticism he shows, even in a big frame, I think is really what what separates him. And and I like I, look maybe. I mean, maybe if he had a few of those sort of eye-popping speed-to-power rushes that Will Anderson showed, then maybe that's what sort of sets those two apart, ironically. But, um, like, uh, he's still a really, really good, really special defensive end. Um, Just didn't quite show the same sort of pop maybe as a few of those guys above him. Yeah, and and I I I think it's probably worth noting, too, his his senior year, while while really good, probably – wasn't as 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 strong um, as, as as some of the other guys ahead of him. Also, uh, just in terms of like production and, and whatnot. But he you know plays at a great program uh, and, and was still really a really good player. Um, I, I think yeah, kind of like you mentioned, Bard. He probably didn't have maybe quite as as many high moments as the others. But he's always been r- really good every time <clears throat> every time we've seen him. And um, kind of like an, another unique athlete with at his size running a, a four six flat at, right. at 260 plus so um and, and i i agree with you i think the thing that probably jumps out to me the most is is just kind of his for his size kind of the the bend and dip around the edge so um it man it's like i i feel like i feel like we have a lot of these a lot of these prospects so far i mean they're really they almost like check every box yeah. so and, and that, that was really kind of our i guess our um directive in in sorting this is you know there's really not a ton of questions about these guys jackson smith and jigba uh, comes in at number 15 he's an ohio state signee he's he was a three-star a year ago um probably shouldn't have been even at that point but i think part of the reason he was initially ranked as a three-star after his junior season when he had like 2,000 yards receiving like he he was a monster as a junior but his efficiency of movement is so good that it's like he's not eye popping. Like he doesn't jump off the screen because he just does. It's just the he's so smooth that it's almost deceptive how good he is, how athletic he is. And so I think the more we've seen him, the more he's delivered from a production standpoint. And then to cap it off at the All American Bowl, he got hurt during the week, but during the first three days of practice, uh, he was he 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 was everything we wanted him to be. Um, and so we bumped him up to, to 15 in the country. But, man, this dude is just as polished and smooth as you could ask for at receiver. Yeah, I think he, like, thinking back on it, he he's up there with the most polished receivers I've seen at, at the high school level. Um, I would maybe compare him from, like, a route running standpoint to, uh, like, a Calvin Ridley. Um, but, you know, he was I – think, I think he was, you know, more productive and – than Calvin Ridley at the high school level and really more athletic uh, also. And like, like you mentioned, he's Bard, he's kind of got like an understated um, kind of, yeah, if you watched Jackson Smith, the Jigba play, you wouldn't say, Oh man, he's really fast. But then you look at his testing and you're just like, Oh wow, he is fast. Then you realize he's running past everybody. Um, so, and, and I, I think he's the best receiver. Uh, if we, if we were to roll out and, and play a, like a college football game right now, I, he would be my guy in this class. Uh, I think he, he's just with his polish, his route running, um, his ability after the catch. He, he kind of runs over his pads, and, and, and he, or he, he runs with his shoulders over his feet. So he's really tough like after the catch, too. Like I think it's hard for corners to get a read on which direction he's going. Uh, and then also, like with his, he has really strong hands, made, made a bunch of incredible one-handed catches uh, kind of throughout his uh, senior season playing really high level of Texas high school football. I mean, he's, he had 34 touchdowns. Like, yeah. I mean, let, let, let's not get around here. This guy <laughs> yeah. is a, kind of a monster as a high school receiver. So, um, man, I, you know, Ohio State's getting two great ones with him and Fleming. And 
like he Jackson Smith and Jigba is one where really it's like it, it's tough to put a receiver over all of these talented defensive players, but uh, but man, like he, he's he's as good like as ready to play as, as I've seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So at number sixteen, Jalen Jones, the Texas A and M commit who we've ranked as a safety but he plays primarily corner for his high school he could be a safety he could be a corner he could be a a nickel uh, at A&M I think the look we we liked him we liked his length we liked his his springy athleticism on film and I think when he showed up at the opening he had a five-star kind of performance at the opening over the course of the summer was 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 I think probably undoubtedly the best DB at that event uh, and so he's been in striking distance ever since for that fifth star. And I'll hand it off to you there, Charles, because you saw him at Under Armour and and he, he validated that that hunch that we had. Yeah, and, and I think he continued at Under Armour to show that he has some of the best instincts in the class at, at DB. That's, that's really what we what we liked so much at the opening finals was it seemed like he was almost like running the route for the receiver. He was kind of knew where everybody was going to be once he moved to kind of that cover two safety. Um, but but like you said, I, I know like a lot of times when, when we – rank players at other positions maybe the fans and and the players might take that as a slight and we're just trying to project where he, he really could excel and he could excel at a corner also but we're, we're kind of trying to point to maybe a ceiling like the high what we kind of view as the highest ceiling but Jalen Jones really hasn't he's one that's that's impressed at every turn plays receiver for his high school has great ball skills uh tested well really good size um, and I think if we were ranking him as a corner, he still would be certainly one of the better corners in the class. So um, just a really kind of strong body of work for him in, in the summer going into uh, going into the, the all-star period. So number 17 is an interesting one. Jordan Birch, South Carolina commit, not a signee yet. Uh, he, I, I would say probably we were heading into the All-American season um, – needing some questions answered on Jordan Birch. And I'd say if anything, like he drops here, he dropped from eight to 17 and he had previously dropped from like two to eight before that. So there is, I think it's fair to say that, that, you know, his senior season wasn't what we wanted it to be. Um, just give like, he was good. And, and so it's, it's all relative, but um, given the competition he plays, which is really low level competition, he wasn't as dominant as you wanted him to be. And so, you know, we, I don't know that we knew what to expect for him out of the All-American game. And, Charles, would you agree or would you say that he probably exceeded our expectations a little bit and kind of kind of slowed that fall from from what we what might have been either steeper drop? So, number 17 is an interesting one. Jordan Birch, South Carolina commit, not a signee yet. Uh, he, I, I would say probably – we were heading into the All-American season um, needing some questions answered on Jordan Birch. And I'd say, if anything, like he dropped here. He dropped from 8 to 17, and he had previously dropped from like 2 to 8 before that. So there is – I think it's fair to say that, that you know his senior season wasn't what we wanted it to be. Um, just give – like he was good. And, and so it's, it's all relative, but um, given the competition he plays, which is really low level competition, he wasn't as dominant as you wanted him to be. And so, you know, we, I don't know that we knew what to expect for him out of the all American game. And Charles, would you agree? Or would you say that he probably exceeded our expectations a little bit and kind of, 
kind of slowed that fall from from what we what might have been even steeper drop. Yeah, so I, I think of everybody at the Under Armour game, Jordan Birch play like he plays the worst competition on, on Friday nights. Most of the most of the guys he's going up against in, in his like the private school league in South Carolina would not start for like a your average uh, high school. So it's really like for me it was more like it wasn't even like that he may be disappointed as a senior. It's just hard like, it's just hard to tell. Right. Like he's and and you kind of see that. So you know seeing him at Under Armour moving around in drills uh, you know, just kind of, and especially like at, at times flashing in, in one-on-ones and team periods, like you see it, like he has five-star, uh, physical tools. He has that athleticism, his size, uh, he's gotten bigger. He really kind of might be like an interior guy now at, I, I would ballpark him probably at, you know, 270, 280. Um, but, but he's really light on his feet. And if you were just kind of going through picking like who are the five-star, um, you know, physical guy, physical like physical trait guys yeah, here. Right. He he would be one for sure. Um, and I think he showed that at times. But then also there were also times where, like, he really kind of, like, basically when he would go to get blocked, it was like he did never, he didn't know what to do. And I, I think a lot of that's because he's never really been blocked before. So I I think Jordan Birch definitely showed the the five star upside, and that's why we still have him there. But he's probably not as uh as ready to play as some of the ones ahead of him. And that's probably why he moved down a little bit. Um, The upside is there, but he's probably going to need a little time on campus and and really to be frank, going up against um, better players than he's seen before. But um, we, we we saw the the upside there and it's, it's, it's um, definitely evident. So I I think with him, it was just more about maybe kind of recalibrating him, um, you know, kind of more in that, in that 10 to 20 range and really, uh, it's also worth noting, like we, our, our sample size in Jordan Birch was, was pretty low. Like we haven't, we hadn't seen him against this type of competition in in really a year. So um, it was really we were kind of just holding off to the All Star game to get a better um, kind of kind of indicator on where he stood. At number eighteen, LSU signee El- Elias Ricks, who didn't play in an All American Bowl. He had I think labrum surgery. Um, played at IMG Academy as a senior. Had a down year as a senior only relative to what his year was as a junior which was just this insane season we had like nine picks and six six for touchdowns um still had a good year for img but just not 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 quite as demonstrative um so i I think really this ranking as much as anything was sort of a a reset and and a obviously he didn't do a lot to like there's there wasn't an active drop he went from 10 to 18 but more of just look when you when you compare him to the guys above him, we just like the guys above him a little bit better. He's you know he's gonna have to get stronger, he's gonna get faster, but he has great ball skills. He's great competitive nature, um, and he's played at two of the biggest high school programs in the country. So we we feel very strongly about his ability, and particularly when you really dig back into that junior season. Um, but you know I think eighteen is a fair spot given who who we slid above him. Yeah, and and. and- Rick Ricks was was I would say good at at the opening finals. Um, probably not you know like he probably wasn't our top corner. Um, but but he's always been been really solid. Um, and and I think like like you mentioned Bart with his size and ball skills kind of make him certainly one of the better corners um, in in the class. And and kind of what he did as a as a junior was about as good of a junior season as you could expect for a corner with his all of his interceptions and whatnot. You were helpful in us 
getting the the pr- appropriate grade on Keishon Butte because this was another kid we hadn't seen a, really a whole lot of in person until the Under Armour game. Um, you came away very impressed with him. He's 20th, the LSU signee. Looks like they got another dude that could come in and really impact the pass game. Yeah, and it it's funny because – I in reviewing all these receivers senior seasons kind of when we were at the early signing day um you know at the time LSU had lost commitments from uh Jermaine Burton and Rakeem Jarrett with them both flipping like really I guess like right kind of on on that on that day and I I thought at the time like if if you just kind of look at it Boutte had the best senior season of, of of all three um despite being the lowest rated and uh and I guess kind of going in with with that expectation as as, as a guy that we haven't really seen much of at, at Under Armour. I mean, he he exceeded he exceeded basically everything I, I expected. I, I wasn't like you, you see him in high school. He's really uh, uh, just a dynamic athlete who I think he had a thousand yards rushing and a thousand yards receiving, and he really does a lot in the return game. But man, like he's a polished receiver. I thought he was the quickest guy off the line. Um, he made contested catches, strong hands, bigger than I thought he was. Um, it just man, like he he had a great week, and it was kind of like you could make a case he maybe had a more complete week at, at Under Armour than Julian Fleming. Maybe not the highlights that that Fleming had, but uh, I, I think he's definitely in the mix. Like I, he to me was the kind of the easy an easy five star receiver. Uh, he gave the corners fits all week, and and then you know combining that with like the athleticism he shows, I think he just ran one of the fastest two hundred meter times in the country already. Um, just, just a dynamic athlete. And, and I think he's one that it was really a matter of us just kind of seeing him and eyeballing him and getting a better perspective on, you know, his, just his overall skill set as a receiver and not because he kind of out athletes everybody in high school, but really the, the polish and just the complete receiver skill set was to me, what, what was so surprising. No, I think that's the key point. Yeah. He ran 21, two in January, this January, like that's moving. That's going to be like sub 21 by the end of this, this, the, the track season. But like we've found that track speed is not everything at receiver. It's really about like some some natural feel for the position. So I think the fact that he has that, the fact that he has the productivity, that was real ultimately what what was the difference with him. Um, at twenty one, Texas signee Bijan Robinson is our running back. Is he our top running back? I guess he is. He is. He's our top yeah. running back in the country. And and I I think, I mean, he was outstanding at the All American Bowl. Caught the ball really well. Really versatile. Um, but just dating back to like back in the summer when we were sort of revamping our rankings and, and digging back into junior film and that sort of thing, like he just he just jumps off the screen from an explosiveness and athleticism standpoint. And I know that the, the, the quality of competition maybe varies a little bit out there, but and, and he didn't have any sort of documented testing numbers. And so there was always this a little bit of an unknown with Bijan Robinson throughout the process. Um just a, like a hint of uncertainty from, and particularly from our West coast guys who just, you know, that's, it's, it's their head. Like they're the ones that are, have to, to live with, with their decisions on the rankings out there. And so I, I just think the more we learned about him, not only on the field, but off the field from a character standpoint and the reputation that he's developed around Arizona and from opposing coaches and those sort of things, uh, the more comfortable we got. And, and he just, by the time of the, the final rankings rolled around, he he was the guy that we felt most confident in. I think for good reason. Yeah, I was I was really interested to kind of see his his burst and and how he how he ran. You know, just 
like like you said, it, it it's tough to tell kind of on, on, on the competition. He's from Tucson, Arizona, and they the way they do it in Arizona, they play, actually play open division. So he he did play some some strong teams once they got in the playoffs. But man, like he's he's the all time leading rusher in the state of Arizona. He averaged I mean this is crazy. He averaged seventeen point seven yards a carry as a senior, um, and and like I, I think when you look at that and his skill set, I think he's the best pass catching back in this class. Um, he he's one that could could play receiver if he wanted to, to be honest. Um, so you, you kind of take all of that in consideration with how he looked in that in that setting um, at, at the All Star game and his uh, contact balance. He's just kind of an all purpose back. I think he you can use him in a lot of different ways, a lot of different offenses. Um, and, and there's just really not a, like I just don't think there's a whole lot of questions. He's he probably has the least questions of any of the running backs in this class. And I think that's probably why we felt best about him being the top back. At 22, uh, we got our number three cornerback, Demory Tate, who's signed with Florida State. Um, confession, like after after his junior season, I feel like I really kind of be- thought he was an upside guy with good speed who just doesn't have a whole lot of natural DB instincts. And just, he's just sort of like a, an upside play. And then he showed up at the opening finals and had just a, a totally eye-opening performance. And and I feel like that the light almost came on. And the senior film has been really good. And he's got verified track and testing numbers. And you know I think he was sort of one of these players that we had a hunch was a five-star and needed him to just validate it at the Under Armour game. And Charles, I, you know, I guess – you felt like he did, right? Yeah, and he was to me. I thought he was the best corner at the opening finals and at, at Under Armour. Um, and and I remember t- kind of getting a first look at him at, at the opening finals, and I was I kind of made a note. I was like, I'm, he doesn't really know how to backpedal. And then you and then you put him in the in the context of a live situation and he's locking down all the receivers. So you're talking about like he once he gets his technique, he's going to be even better. He's handling the, these these top receivers at all-star events without really kind of knowing what he was doing. Like you said, he was kind of an athlete, played all over the place. Um, so he's one that I think once he locks in in college, that kind of points to his upside that he's already this good. And, and it was re- really long, great size, athleticism. I think there's, you know, the kind of the sky's the limit for him as a corner. At number 23, this is a guy that I think you were a little bit surprised that you yeah. – like. That, that we landed on five star with him, but not. But I think you also agreed that, you know, it, it wasn't against your objections. Like you just didn't know you would get there with them. And and, and right. here we are, Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame signee, as a five star. What, what, what talk about how you wrestle with that one a little bit? Yeah. So when, whenever you brought up Michael Mayer as as a possibility, I was like, I was like, really? And then I like, I kind of like, I think over that night, I kind of, you know, took some time and and just like kind of blank slate, like, all right, let's just look at this guy as a prospect. And really when you think about it, it's, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, mad at myself that I didn't think of him as one before. Uh, so like, I guess dating back to, we, we saw him at the the opening regional in Nashville. He was diving for balls in the rain. It was really, I guess, one of the better players there at, at the opening finals. Um, you know, I guess he won MVP. He, I think it had as many touchdowns as anybody, um, and then we we he goes into his senior year. He's the Kentucky Gatorade Player of the Year. He's also a great basketball player. He plays both ways. If you kind of look at the clips from that state cha- state championship game, he's just making in- incredible effort plays uh, on, on both sides of the ball. And then we go out to the All American Bowl, and he's he's great. I mean, he's he's kind of and and it, it like 
I, during the week, I think Barton, I, we were talking about, I, I was like, I think I asked you, you know, is, is Michael Mayer the second best tight end in this cycle? And kind of comparing him to maybe like a Darnell Washington, um, Jalen Conyers, who, who we liked a lot. And I, um, I, I think like I, you, I, you agreed and, and, and brought him up as a five star, which I think was a, a really good call. Kind of looking back on on just everything he does. And I, to me, the thing with with Michael Mayer, it's it's not only the the super consistent body of work. I, Barton, I think I thought you made a great point by. Uh, you know, talking when we were kind of hashing this out as like, we've never seen him drop a ball before really reliable hands. And to me uh, at, at, at tight end, one of the critical factors is, you know, quickness at the top of your route ability to separate within your route. And to, I, I think Michael Mayer is maybe the best of that in this class, but I, I know he was kind of the kind of one that you brought up as, as a five star. And I, I, I know you're really high on him also. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things is like this, we've talked all along about how this is this tight end, like the year of the tight ends, this phenomenal tight end crop. And I think, you know, there's Eric Gilbert, who is this freak of nature and there's Darnell Washington, who's six, eight, and there's Theo Johnson, who's six, six. And then there's, uh, Jalen Conyers, who's this sort of tiny school, tiny town anomaly. And and so there's all these like extreme traits to these guys. And Michael Mayer just sort of steady as she goes flying, like I would say under the radar, but like just a little bit of a more understated guy. And then, you know, you kind of look up and it's like, what event has he not dominated that we've been at? Yeah, exactly. And and then you, like you said, you sort of start to dig into his profile basketball and and both sides of the ball and football and all that stuff and you're like all right like what do we like why would we not make him a five star so um so yeah ultimately that's one i feel pretty good about why don't you paint the 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 demarcus bowman picture because he you know he's had a little bit of a an interesting journey for us i mean he's he's always really been in five star range um but i think you've been you've had the finger on the pulse the most on on that journey yeah demarcus bowman it was really, I mean, he was the best high school player in the state of Florida as, as a junior. Uh, he kind of beat uh, St. Thomas Aquinas team that was nationally ranked. Really, if you look at that defense, I think the majority of players in the defense will be in, in, in at Power 5 schools. He kind of beat them by himself uh, and he just had a, had a monster, monster junior season. Um, his senior season wasn't quite as, it was, while, while equally productive from like a yards per carry standpoint wasn't uh just as as prolific as, as his junior year they were blowing out teams i think he rarely played in the second half and they kind of had an early early loss um in the uh in in the playoffs but just kind of viewing so i, I and i he didn't go to like many all-star events so he kind of maybe flew under the radar a little bit there in terms of just you know getting eyeballs on him but i think when you look at the whole body of work with with demarcus bowman you're talking about he is a rocked up like five nine one ninety, but he has legit track speed. I think his, you know, he he's run as as low. I guess consistently runs sub ten eights. He's run as fast as like a like a ten six nine ish, um, which which is moving for especially for a guy kind of with with his build. And you just look at how he runs. He runs super hard. Um, and I think when you look at running backs, uh, the ability to kind of be a, a home run hitter is something that that, that translates. Um, you know, to ultimately the NFL, most of these running backs that get picked high kind of have that have that elite speed and ability to to pull away once it, once they're in the open field. And on top of with him kind of, you know, being a, a more of a compact, stouter build. So uh, it kind of became a deal where it's like I, I don't 
like it, it was i think we were having the the conversation on on him being a five star i was like i don't know like why he wouldn't be honestly there's just there was there's more reasons for him to be a five star than not than not and i think that's kind of why he was in and he he really kind of fits the the profile for a running back who who ends up being really good in college and ultimately picked pretty high in the nfl um barton can moving on to the next one uh this is this is one that that, that you brought up uh, we were we, we, we've liked him for a while. Um, Tim Smith, the, the Alabama signee, uh, just kind of – he's one that was maybe a little out of sight, out of mind, just with him not going to a bunch of national events. But I think when we viewed him um, kind of in comparison to, to the, these, uh, these other prospects, uh, he's one that we, we kind of zeroed in on as a five-star. But I, I know you kind of led led the charge on that. And, um, you know, I, I guess just kind of what, what, what was – our thought process for, for him going there, it seemed like he was, I think the more and more we talked about it, I think when we kind of, kind of were voting for the last spot, everybody had him as one. So uh, yeah. I guess it, it was kind of an interesting deal there. Yeah. Well, I think the, what's interesting about, about Tim Smith is I think his junior season, we felt like he might be a little overvalued. We felt like he looked a little sloppy, looked a little overweight. Um, just, didn't weren't as confident in the trajectory there and so like you said it was a little bit out of sight out of mind and he didn't go to any camps that that I'm aware of he was just not a not a guy that was super present in our in our mindset and then senior season comes along and all of a sudden the Tim Tim Smith film comes out and it's like holy cow like this is this is a different kid um, I don't know whether he lost weight. I don't know whether he just moved the weight around a little bit, but he looked much more lean, athletic, and productive. And so, unfortunately, he wasn't in a game. To it, but particularly when you like we we talked to some of our Florida guys who've seen him in person, and 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 they were throwing him right there in that category and that sort of tier with Dexter and Jalen Carter, and you know probably putting those guys a hair above him, but still calling him right there in that mix. And the productivity was there. And then you sort of start to sniff around. He's a 51-foot shot put guy and 171-foot discus guy. And and you just, the more you watch that film, the more you're like, how did you not put him in here? And so he probably could have been a lot higher had he actually been in an All-American Bowl. Yeah, and I think like also he had like 35 tackles for loss. But, but like you said, like just he looks like a like he looks like a different prospect as a senior than than as a junior um i i i believe he lost probably at least 20 30 pounds like you watch it like i, th- I think i noted like watching his video his, his his pants are baggy you know like he's uh he he's just a different guy um than, than he was and i know that a lot of the a lot of our guys in florida kind of viewed him as as one with with a really high ceiling but but i think he kind of made a pretty good jump to, to realizing that. And, and, and like you said, Barton, it, it, it's a fun debate uh, on who the best defensive tackle is in Florida. It's going to be fun to look back on this, but I, I know like kind of, you know, all those schools think they, they, that they got the best one. So it, it'll be fun to watch. And, and I, I think with Tim Smith, it was really like, uh, I think we were fair in uh, making him a five-star, uh, but, but the other two kind of have to be ahead of him with, with just the, the exposure and, and right. how, how much we saw from them. But, um, man, like Tim Smith's from, from kind of the, the video and, and kind of what we've seen from him as just from a profile standpoint, like he's in that class and, and it'll be fun to kind of see how that shakes out. Uh, 
I'd say those 30 or those 29 are probably the ones that we were sort of most um, convicted on uh, or had the most conviction on. The the last three, you know, there's a, there's a lot of names we were jostling around for these final three spots. Um, at number 30, the highest ups, maybe the highest upside guy of of any of these questionable ones. Um, a questionable is the wrong word, but but Broderick fringe, Jones, yeah, 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 yeah. fringe guys. Um, Broderick Jones lands at 30. Uh, we had some some I think pretty interesting um, internal like debate on on just exactly what we should do with Broderick Jones. Do you do you yeah. want to do you want to kick that off? Yeah. So um, Broderick Jones was one that we really hadn't. We we saw him at the, at the Future Fifty this time last year, and he was great. And then um, you know, just not a whole lot of high school video to go off of. Like he wasn't like really putting out his highlights or anything. Um, so a little out of sight, out of mind there. We showed a Under Armour, and man, like he he's the best offensive lineman there. Uh, I think in terms of his his body and just kind of the natural uh, physical skill set in, in, in that setting is probably the best in the class. Like I would take Broderick Jones just from. Um, you know, kind of, kind of in that setting, like he looked better than Paris Johnson to me kind of throughout that week, uh, elite length. He's got like a really strong base, um, in, in terms of his, his lower body. Uh, and, and he really kind of shut down like a lot of really, a lot of good edge rushers, um, at, at Under Armour. And, and I think viewed in, it was important. This is, this is why it's so good to kind of have this collaborative process where everybody's kind of giving different perspectives. So viewed in that context of, of the Under Armour week, I kind of came out of there saying I, this guy might be like a top five prospect. In uh, in viewing him in that vacuum, I, I still feel like that is fair. But Barton, I mean, you kind of reeled me back in on that, and we're like, well, let, let's let, let, let's dig into the tape. Like, there's obviously a, a lot, you know, that more that goes into that than just this performance. And when we were kind of going through um, doing our due diligence on his on his high school stuff, they're definitely like he he can. There, there, there's a little bit to be desired with with his physicality level as a run blocker. Um, I think the upside is still there. It's it's very yeah. tantalizing, but <laughs> um, but he like maybe compared to a Paris Johnson, um, he is not pr- that level of uh, tenacious and, and embracing contact at the high school level. And ultimately, that like that's that's a key thing you look for for offensive linemen so i know you could probably expound a little more on that but i think it's kind of where we landed on, on on him being being at 30 which is which is you know lower than the composite but uh you know i, I but he's still like obviously a really really high upside no, there, uh, offense tackle yeah yeah i think there's no question that he could be a, a, ultimately landed a top five pick he definitely has that sort of upside and that and even on his high school tape you see that i mean just the the light-footed like ability for him to just the way he moves, the, just the, the um, he has that elite athleticism that you don't see very often. But while I say he has the upside to be drafted fifth overall or whatever, he also has a floor to where you don't get drafted at all because there is an element on film when you watch his teammates and you watch him just in the course of a game. How much does he really like this? Like how much? Like if if he doesn't have to engage with anyone there are times when he just might choose not to. And so I think you have to just sort of factor that into the equation when you're talking about an offensive lineman because they got to like it. I mean, the mentality is part of it. It's a big right. part of it, and that position in particular. And so that, that's just uh, 
you know, just sort of the safety net we got to make give ourselves uh, when we look at him. And uh, still very much a, an elite upside guy, but you know, worries me a little bit to go top ten only because we're just not positive on his demeanor. Right. Right. Uh, um, Thirty-one. Demon Demas, the man who didn't play his senior year because of transfer rules. Uh, another, I say, relatively polarizing guy. Um, I, you know, I'll start with him. I think one thing like that that we had to sort of decide is how much, how, how much do we believe in him when we consider that at the receiver position, being big and fast is not the end all be all, and he is big and he is fast. Um, but is he is he a true receiver? And I think even the guys that were saw him at Poly Bowl came away like without exactly a resounding yes on those things. You know, like uh, Biggins and Huffman and those guys. You know, they said, hey, you know, times he's, you know, was just okay as a route runner, just okay as a pass catcher. But I, I think what we landed on here was just he is a freak athlete. He he does have a kind of a level of horsepower that very few receivers in this class have. And if he hits, we don't want to be on the other side of the five-star range with him. Sure. Yeah, and, and I, I think his his polish, and and that's something that's, like you said, Barton, really important as a receiver. Um, and I think when you look at receivers who who pan out, a lot of times they're, they typically kind of break out and, and are polished at, at, at a young age. Um but his, his he definitely kind of has some some areas where he can improve as as the polish. But like you said, like the upside is is pretty incredible. Uh, he's you know one of the best athletes in the class. He and Julian Fleming I think are are tit for tat in in kind of their 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 testing numbers and, and whatnot. And uh, he he makes some plays that that few if any in in this class can make. Um, so so that's something we we have to consider. But then you kind of hedge it where um, his his floor is is certainly lower. Than, than the receivers that, that are ranked ahead of him. So I, I think it's just kind of uh, with us getting getting that that trying to find that balance there. Um and you know, missing a senior year, it's I, I think it it definitely didn't help him, but I, I don't think we we overly penalized him for that. And he and he was productive as as a junior playing, I guess, you know, not 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 a great competition, but he I think he averaged a touchdown almost every other touch. So um it wasn't like he he wasn't productive at the high school level either um when when given that opportunity so um i i think he's one that that i i felt pretty strongly he should be a five star um and and i think getting him in that last couple spots um kind of kind of hedges uh it, it, it is a good representation of of as as being a, a really high ceiling but maybe a little lower floor of the guys ahead of him all right so our final final five star number 32 is the only uncommitted of the bunch um Alfred Collins out of Texas. And I'd, I'd say this was almost like a safe play for us is, is the way I, I, I felt about it. Um, there were some, there were probably some, some guys we could have thrown in there that were a little more of a gamble. Um, Alfred Collins just feels like he has a, a really high floor. Um, uh, the, the body type is there that checks off in a, in a huge way. He was good enough at the All-American Bowl and ultimately this is another one that it just it, it it circles back to just senior film. I mean that that's really what I think did it for Alfred Collins who had a huge year and I think took a big jump. And I, I like to 
I, I like to bet on trajectory. I like to bet on, you know, those big jumps late in their career, particularly for a guy with the size of Alfred Collins, because like, what's the next jump going to look like? Um, and so, uh, you know, I think Alfred Collins, given the the unique traits physically that he brings to the table and given the way he, he you know, he, he balled out as a senior and what he can do on the basketball court and just sort of the, the athleticism he's shown, uh, it felt like, uh, it felt like the right thing. It felt like the, the safe play. Yeah. And, and I think the fact that he's already, he's a great player at the high school level and is still kind of like a, like a Jervon Dexter, still kind of figuring it out. And, and like with, with, he had 35 tackles for loss and is still kind of, we view him as like an upside guy. Uh, and, and so, and I, I think, you know, viewing him in context uh, of, of everybody else, I think from just a, a stature standpoint, walking through the door, he's among the most impressive in, in this class. He was like, what was he like, six five? Uh, he was six six five, two eighty four, with thirty five inch arms and ten and a half inch hands. Um, just kind of a, a really a, seeing him at the All American Bowl. He's the guy out there on the field. You're like, who is that? Like, he just sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, and, and then kind of factoring in with, you know, his his senior year. I think going through the the defensive linemen as seniors I think he and Tim Smith were probably the two that that kind of it was pretty evident that kind of what those guys did on film and in their productivity and how impressive they were um that 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 last year high school yeah I mean it's it's not a lot of questions with him I think he's the arrows only pointing up and uh to be as to be as good right now uh with how early he is in, in his development, uh, I think he's going to only, you know, he's going to get way better in his first or second year on campus. So that's one through 32. Uh, Charles, I would say probably maybe then like 33 was Zachary Evans or is the running back. Darnell Washington, Georgia commit tight end uh, is 34. Demoy Kennedy, 35, Derek Wingo, 36 and G Scott, 37. I'd say those five are maybe the guys that had the most discussion as potential five stars that that got left on the sort of the cutting room floor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you agree with that, or is there anyone else you'd add yeah. in there that, that you yeah, think, I would yeah. say that's probably that probably was the main the main five. Yeah. Um, so uh, all guys that that we could very well see be future NFL first rounders. Um, and as we sit here at about an hour and a half into this thing, if anybody's still listening, um, this was, I think, a really fun year um, and a really good group of players. And I think that uh, – I don't know about you, but like I, this is – I'd say this 1 through 32 is one of the groups I'm more confident in in terms of our final product of guys yeah. that I think will hit. I think comparing it to last year, I, 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 I really do – like we're we're gonna do like our own like individual five stars and maybe comparing it to last year like I, I this is my this this would be my top thirty two for sure yeah. like I I don't um there's no one that's outside that that I would really have a, a super strong case or to me maybe as strong a case as, as we did last year to, to be in I, I think um yeah I, I think a lot of it's just about putting guys that putting a, the five star stamp on the ones that we feel the best about honestly so um. That's kind of where I landed on it, but I, I feel pretty good about about the group as a whole. So, for those of you still listening, we appreciate it. Um, check in with Twenty Four Seven Sports for more continued coverage on our final rankings release, as well as uh, a continued lead up to National Signing Day for Twenty Twenty. And uh, then we will get going on Twenty Twenty One. 
So uh, happy National Signing Day here in about a week or so. And uh, stay tuned to 24-7 Sports for everything else you need moving forward. <laughs>